You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. They don't know us. They don't know us. They sleep. This group is real. This group is real. We played them. We played the refs. We played everybody. So proud of y'all, I don't know what to do. I can't tell you, man, how proud I am of you. But also, I want you to know this coaching staff and this head coach did a great job. They never gave up a game ball to Coach Gahari. Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal it's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. Hey, by the way, just so everybody knows, this is the first ever international edition of the Alouette's Flight Deck, because as we mentioned last week, Mr. Cliffy D and his significant other are in the UK right now, uh, probably wanting to get to the period where he can drink a little. I know you've drunk, you have had a couple of drinks on the show before, Cliff, but... Uh, uh, what you, what, the picture that was sent to me of what you're waiting to have a, have a drink of, uh, yeah, you would be, this would, this podcast would become very interesting if you did. <laughs> well, the thought crossed my mind. Do I want to do this podcast, uh, while enjoying some of Ireland and Scotland's finest alcohols? But no, I, I am a professional. I am a broadcast journalist and I am fully committed to doing this podcast stone cold sober. But once we turn the mics off. All bets are off as well. Oh, you mean we're not going to have another episode? We're all, we're, we're all, we're all going to have a drink together? Come on, man. Come on. Where's your adventure? Uh, yeah, this is me telling you where's your adventure. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> physician, heal thyself. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, first, glad to see that you have made it, you and Menno made it safely. Um, I'm glad to see that you're having fun. Um, if anybody didn't see Cliff's uh, picture over at his, uh, his, at his uh, Twitter account over at, uh, at Cliffy D, uh, he took a very interesting photo with not only uh, the, uh, the Irish flag, but also with you, – you brought a little small somebody with you, didn't you? I did. Uh, as you know, the, during the fan appreciation game last Saturday, uh, they were giving away those little John Bowman bobbleheads. And I kind of got the idea, like, well, why not bring John along – I think he deserves a vacation. He deserves to go check out Ireland and Scotland. <laughs> uh, what the hell? But you know, you know that joke people always say, "Hey, just bring me along in your luggage." Like, well, that's what we did with John Bowman. We, yeah, we brought him along, and and he's. If you go, as I said, go to my Twitter page, uh, twitter.com/cliffyd. You can see some of the adventures that uh, little John Bowman's been having here little in John Bowman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, unfortunately, it's not the real John Bowman. But that's hilarious, that, little John Bowman. That's little, a little, little John Bowman. Well, see, that would be that would that'd be a, a different trip altogether if it was Little John, yeah, the rapper. Yeah, but no, yeah. this is Little John yeah, Bowman. Little John Bowman, exactly. Um, <laughs> speaking of the game, wow! Uh, this, you know, we've had they've had the hashtag before of uh, you know, uh, no lead is safe uh, for the CFL. Uh, hashtag, unfortunately, for this one also for uh, for. 
I, I guess for, for some people would be uh, uh, don't leave before the game is over. Um, but, you know, it's sometimes it pays off to, to stay. And, uh, uh, you know, for those who stayed, uh, they got to see one hell of a finish. The Alouettes overcame a 24-point deficit, which is, this, if I'm not mistaken, the second largest in CFL history. But it is also the largest comeback ever by the Alouettes. Uh, the overcame uh, the the oldest old record was a 20-point comeback. I think that was ver- I know it was versus the Argos. I, I think it was in tw- I think it was in 2002. I think and I, I had to double check again, but I know it was versus the Argos. But uh, Cliff, this was one hell of a game. This I put this out on social media. This is the game. You know, everybody before I think if you've been an Alouette season ticket holder for as long as you have or follow the team. Uh, the game that you really remember probably most, uh, besides all the games where AC set some of those records, was that comeback game versus BC in the rain with Tanner Marsh under center. Uh, unfortunately, Tanner, you've now been usurped. This is now the number one, for a lot, a lot of fans, this should be the number one remembered game now for a long, long time to come. Without question. I mean, like this, this game had it all. It really did. I mean, there is drama going into the game as a result of Andrew Harris for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming in. And there's a lot of smack talk being delivered by John Bowman. Uh, not necessarily smack talk by Vernon Adams, but he basically said that he thought William Stanback was a better running back than uh, Andrew Harris, which, I mean, I listen, I got all the love in the world for William Stanback, but, I mean, I Andrew Harris is still, despite what's been going on, is still one of, if not the premier running backs in this league. So I don't quite, uh, one day, I, I will say one day, William Stanback will be in that same conversation. But as of right now, I, I cannot say with conviction that and, uh, William Stanback is a better running back than Andrew Harris. So, I mean, there was a lot of fuel on the fire to get going with. This game had, this was a chippy game. I mean, there's just so many elements to it. And just the way that Montreal was down at, with just less than, like, as a three-minute warning, they were essentially down by 20 points. And they came back, they came all the way back to tie this game. I mean, and then kick the the point after attempt of the, the touchdown to win, uh, essentially take the lead with six seconds go. Like, I mean, this was unfathomable. Like, I, 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 I'm really, truly still at a loss for words. It's been nearly a week, and I'm still, I, I, I still don't know what to make of this. It, it's just absolutely incredible. Just a, a testament to what this team has gone through. The fact that they don't quit. Kahari Jones will not let these guys get down on themselves. They rallied together. Like this is a, what a team. What a football team. Like this is just absolutely, absolutely incredible. There's just no other way to describe it. Yeah, it was it was a type of game. Uh, I had uh, upgraded my seat, so I was sitting in. Uh, uh, I, w- I was sitting with the with the uh, with the people with money. Um, no, <laughs> we had upgraded our seats to section V one um, on the fifty five yard line, and it, it was. Uh, it, it was it really, really was a, a, a very. Uh, this will be a game to remember, and this is a. Um, uh, after it occurred, I just stood there with my hands on the top of my head, with my mouth open. I I was just completely stunned. I, I just really did not know. I I myself, Cliff, did not know what to think because, it, again, it was a game that was. It, it, it is one for the memory banks to remember. Uh, it just it just goes to show how different how different this card is uh, this this team is um, compared to the teams in a couple of years past. So um, I I'm 
I, I, just ecstatic. Just ecstatic. Really, I really am. And, and I tell you what, like this was in front of the biggest crowd this season in 2019. I mean, this was, I, you talk about a game where you have to really impress. I mean, you talk about it being fan appreciation game. I mean, what better way to show appreciation for your fans than to pull off an incredible win like this? Oh, no kidding. But I, I, I mean, this is this is the exact selling point. Like, if you want to get people back into the stands, you want to get those tarps off those uh, the seats that are there temporarily. You want to get you want to put more people in that stadium, especially come playoff time. And guess what, folks? Playoffs are very much a reality for the Montreal Alouettes for the first time in five years. This team is very, very close to clinching a playoff berth. And guess what? I wouldn't be surprised with this momentum that's going on right now. I'll go so far as to say the Alouettes clinch a playoff spot. They keep playing the way they've been playing over the past couple of weeks. Keep getting people excited the way they have been. I'll go ahead and I'll say it. Not only are you going to sell 20,000 seats, you may as well take the tarps off and sell the other 5,000. You could get, in theory, enough interest to generate sales for 25,000 seats to really, truly sell out Percival Wilson Stadium. And I tell you what, Tim – I get goosebumps thinking about that. Just oh, thinking about everything about this is just it, it it's it's so much fun. It's oh. fun, Tim. It is. It's it's fun football. By the way, just to go back for a couple of minutes, uh, just real quickly, uh, the the previous record, as I mentioned, was twenty points. Uh, they came back to beat the Toronto Argos back in July of nineteen eighty one. So that that's that's where the record. By the way, this game itself, I mentioned to you this off off uh, off air. This, uh, this game so reminded me. It was nice to be on the other end of something. I remember that it's one of the last, to, you know, uh, a certain game where uh, where Winnipeg happened to come back from, uh, I think it was like 12, 12 down or whatever it was with uh, with a minute, with like 60 seconds left or 80 seconds left to, to beat the Alouettes 41-40, uh, I think it was two years ago. It was just how it just seemed. Everything seemed to go perfect, even though everything wasn't going perfect for this team no and let's face it the, that first half of football was pathetic oh, there is just no other way to describe it i'm sorry but yeah it, it they, reminded me so much of the of the two the 2018 opener versus with the same the same winnipeg team yeah i mean it's same quarterback too chris Strebler last year came in and played against a team that was just bad it was just a bad football game and he just walked all over the alouettes and it looked like it was gonna be a repeat performance because the Blue Bombers were on fire. They mm-hmm. three their first three possessions. They score a touchdown. Like what the hell? And, and just Montreal just can't. They can't stop them. They, there's no. There's no. There there is no heart. There's no nothing there. And it, it just looked again like it was going to be one of those things. Like have we been tricked yet again? Like you, you know how I talk about in the second half they make those adjustments. They yeah. flip the switch yeah. and yeah. they get it going. And man, though, like the. You, it's great to dig yourself out of a hole, but why would you dig yourself such a big hole to start with? Oh, no kidding. No kidding. It was it, it was frightening to watch. It, and it, it was. And, and just the the defense in that first half was pathetic. I'm sorry to say, but uh, I mean, there was just no sense of urgency. The tackling was like, you, you think these guys were playing two-hand touch the way that they were right, trying to make right. tackles. Right, right. There are a couple of things that we, want, that we are going to bring up and talk about this game, too. The, a couple of two, in, two different instances in this game that, that will need to be talked about, obviously. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, and it was an interesting thing too, cause I was able to actually go back and watch the replay of the game cliff and finding out that, uh, friend of the pod, Greg Reed, you know, our starting DB was mic'd up for the game. And it's, you know, I, I, I tend to not really 
you know, it's like, oh, DB. But I think when I... Uh, the rest of the games that happen to be my, uh, live mic games, I'm going to listen to them more closely because it was very interesting to hear. You know, usually you're down by as many points as the Alouettes were. It, it's like he didn't give up at all. Continuously trying to uh, to rally the team. And it was it was really cool to hear. So it's if you, if anybody happens to not have heard any of the uh, of the live mic games, if you ever get a chance, um, do so because it's 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 it can be very eye opening, but it's also uh, it gives a little bit more interest to the game itself. Yeah, it provides a different insight to what we see on TV versus what the players going on going through on the field. It it definitely makes a it definitely makes for an interesting uh, perspective, shall we say? Yeah, and uh, you know, it, with the Owls going down, what they were. I mean, I was not a happy camper. I think the Owls are down. Uh, thirty-four to th- uh, thirty-four to three at the time. I just yelled out this this statement with this huge expletive, and I was like, "Just do something!" Because it was like uh, it's like Stoic didn't know Slovak didn't didn't know what to do. But as it has been for most of the year, he was able to make some some changes. Uh, it helped that the Alouettes were able to rally, uh, especially with that with those touchdowns in the second quarter. Um, and show that, that this team at heart and the defense, the defense did what they need to do. They held the team, you know, Winnipeg to three points for the rest of the half. That's it. That's it. So it's, yeah. you know, and then they did what they had to do. So uh, if anybody did, doesn't know, I mean, his final score was thir- Alouette's 38-37, um, where they scored a last-second touchdown uh, by, uh, by by Jake Winnegy. And... Um, what a way to set it up! But I mean, it's uh, the, the the game itself was absolutely was absolutely crazy. Vernon Adams threw for a a, a career record of 488 yards. He was 27 of 43, only one INT, uh, and we got to talk about that one. We will in a minute. Four touchdowns, and all this was done in the Owls still won. Cliff, even though William Stanbeck had five carries. For a grand total of two yards, that's Yikes. it. That's yeah, and it. also let's not forget uh, Vernon also ran in a touchdown. Yes, so, he did. Yep. So he's responsible for five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yep, but, I know. I, it was just absolutely crazy. I mean, uh, Devere Posey and Jake Winnicky, uh led the team in yardage, almost the same, uh, one thirty-two and one thirty-four. Each had a touchdown. Also, two receiving touchdowns to uh, to second week newcomer Chris Matthews. Uh, he's the one who really got the team started in the second quarter. Um, so it's uh, uh, he was able to basically uh, put it to his old team. Yeah, and I, I, I I'm still laughing at the fact, like the irony that he was let go because he wasn't producing enough offensively, and he gets not only his first touchdown as a Montreal Alouette. But his second touchdown as a Montreal Alouette against those very same Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, the irony is not lost to me whatsoever. And what an addition. I mean, and so he's able to get that chemistry right away with Vernon Adams. And they're in sync with all the other receivers. Unbelievable. Like, that was just, just a testament to what kind of a football player he is. And just, again, what kind of a quarterback Vernon Adams is. That he has a weapon like that at his disposal. And how can you not be excited about this, folks? I mean... Wow, just wow! Oh yeah, no kidding. Uh, but but I said there were. I mean, Strevler himself. I mean, he he was himself. I mean, it was he did absolutely amazing. I mean, he only threw for 180 yards, but yet he also ran for 84. And also with the uh, with the Darvin Adams uh, uh, direct snap on the Wildcat for the touchdown. Um, there was some interesting tackling 
And during that play, or non-tackling during that actual play uh, to Andrew Harris, and that's where we want. That's one of the two things that we wanted to bring up. And this was talked about afterwards, and a lot of people were saying, well, uh, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just making excuses. The funny thing is, is if that's the case, then Kahari's in on it because Kahari actually mentioned it in his post-game interview uh, right after the game. I mean, what are we talking about? Uh, We're talking about it seemed to be uh, that that there was somebody, uh, we're hoping that it was a Winnipeg fan, that uh, there was somebody in the uh, in the stands, Cliff, who was actually blowing a whistle that sounded very, very similar to what uh, the rest currently use today. Yeah, and that was the reason. And not to call him out necessarily on it, because now we kind of have a better understanding why. But there was a really, really bad tackle from Tommy Campbell that led to that touchdown. And my first thought was, that's not Tommy Campbell. Like that is not the kind of player he is. There, like that was just a really bad tackle. But afterwards, he said. I heard a whistle. I thought the play was dead. So, of course, I, it makes total sense why he just sort of let up a little bit because that's that, that's not his style. You, we've seen what Tommy Campbell can do on the football field, what he's done so far in 2019, and that was not him. And some of the other tackling that was done, though, was just kind of, like I said, I, I, there were times where I honestly thought the Alouettes were playing two-hand touch, or at least I thought that's what it was instead of actually making an honest-to-goodness tackle. Yeah, didn't didn't but, Posey also point one out? He put one else on uh, that they noticed there was this one, I think— uh, it was a uh, a goal line a goal line uh, plunge where you could hear the two whistles. I think he posted that on social media also. Yeah, Tony Washington also mentioned that as well. I mean, it's sort of in defense of Vernon and what the other incident that we'll talk about shortly involved uh, Vernon Adams. But uh, again, the, all of these guys they're hearing whistles. It's not a co- it's not a coincidence, folks. I mean, there was like we obviously didn't hear it in the stands because it was pretty effing loud but yeah clearly somebody close enough to the field was able to get that whistle in and try to uh, play mind games or try to trick the alouettes and things like that and i mean for the most part it worked but they were caught though weren't, weren't they it ended up being ejected that's what well, i heard like I, said, I, I i unfortunately didn't get all the details on that either but the fact the fact remains something was happening and it kind of explains where things were going and i guess that's uh that was kind of a, a preview of things to come later on in the game. Yeah. Uh, now, um, first, before we get on to the, to the other topic that we wanted to talk about, and by the way, there's one reminder to let everybody know, too, that uh, uh, even though we did have a bad week this week, uh, uh, we do actually happen to have our starting running back, William Stanback. Uh, he w- is joining us uh, a l- little bit later on, and we're going to interview him and try to find out about his his career and what he thinks about the team, et cetera, et cetera. But so so stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, um, but um, we got. I said let's talk about the defense first, and we'll get to the to the, the other other Vernon thing. The, the first half really was a throwaway, Cliff. It really was. I mean, well, okay, most most of it, most of it was it was a throwaway. Up until the last portion of the, I think of the uh, of the second quarter itself, but uh, uh, they were able to make those changes that they need to at halftime. And man, this defense was absolutely bang on in the second half, weren't they? Yeah, they they stepped up when they had to. They knew that they had to. They they, they knew that Vernon Adams can score touchdowns if you give him the chance. But a big part of that, too, when it comes to making a comeback of this magnitude, that means your defense has to step up and prevent points from being scored. They have to prevent the ball from, you know, uh, moving the chain. They have to prevent moving the chains. And that's what they did. They they kept Winnipeg grounded. Uh, they finally learned how to tackle. They finally 
figured out how to get to Streveler. They had to keep Andrew Harris honest, and they did that. Like they shut this team down oh, when know, they absolutely had to. Yeah, and it all started with the Seante Evans uh, interception in the second quarter. That's really was the beginning uh, of uh, the Alouettes that we've seen for most of this season. And what an interception, too. He read the mail. Oh, did he ever? No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. Hey, the reason why I'm going to remember that one is because, you know, um, you're, you're talking amongst uh, a superstar here, Cliff. Uh, that was my, when I made my 2019 debut on, uh, on TSN. Yes, I, I couldn't help but see that well after the fact. But, uh, yes, uh, it was great to see you actually on the broadcast, so to speak. So yeah. that's, uh, that's very exciting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that that's really what started it right there, and it it, it that's I think that's the spark that the, that this team needed, and uh, you know again holding the team to only three points in the third quarter, uh, getting a huge help by you know uh, by uh, the uh, uh, you know all night the, the 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 kicks were going off the uprights, one went in on, on a field goal that put the put them up by seventeen, um, but the one that really helped the Owls too near the end of the game was the was the kick that. Uh, went off the uprights that uh, uh, allowed the Alouettes to make their run in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was a, a, a rare miss by, uh, by Justin Medlock. Uh, I, well, I guess he didn't miss. He missed extra point, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like those four points wouldn't have made a huge difference at, in the grand scheme of things, but so he's not the reason why they lost this game. I mean, like, it just came down to they couldn't close the door. That's what it was. Like The, the Blue Bombers had them right where they wanted them, but the Alouettes just were not going to quit. They were not going to be denied. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it came down to. Like they, The Alouettes did what they had to do to win this game. They did not give up. No, no they did not. Hinakwamba led, uh, sorry, um, Greg Reed uh, led the team with eight tackles. Hinak had seven. Uh, you had a couple of uh, players with, uh, you had one player, you had Patrick Levels with five and, other, and many others with three. Um this, you know, they are just happy to see that this team was able to rebound because um, whatever Winnipeg was doing at the beginning of this game, uh, I just felt it, it was it was just going to be another one of those, oh man, here we go again type of games. So. Yeah, and I think there was also too, I'm sure there was a lot of fans too just frustrated, like, okay, well, you're down by 20, so I, I guess one this of game's over. Though, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Sure, I'm sure you were too, because I know we were sitting in two different sections at the stadium, but... Uh, uh, oh, it was yeah, it was it, like especially in our section that we we normally represent in. I mean, it's it, it just you got that vibe right away. Like, oh man, we're mm-hmm. we're, we're back to the battle ways yet again, uh-huh. and, uh-huh. and, and it, it's frustrating. It's it, it's disheartening to hear that. Like, you, you think people would understand? Like, guys, this this isn't that team. There's clearly something wrong. But then when they again, once Matthew scored that first touchdown, like, okay, great. Uh, it looks like you know things are happening. And then scored again, like. Oh God, we we something happened here, and then of course the uh, the pick uh, Vernon threw into the hands of Jeff Hecht. Yes, like, well that'll do it. That was a that was fun like, way to get our hopes up, but then yeah, but yeah. again the two and out afterwards, get the ball back, Devere Posey touchdown. Like holy crap! Yeah, like, no kidding. And that that's the thing we want to talk about. What, let's let's do our we'll talk about the interception and uh, the circumstances after that, but. Before we do, let's go ahead, Cliff. Let's get give our rankings, uh, sorry, our grades for the team for this game. Um, it's tough. It's literally, it's like giving it. We're gonna be averaging grades, really. If I'm, I got. It's no way about it. This game. Um, what would you give the offense for this game? Uh, here. <laughs> I know it's tough. It's tough because, in all fairness, it, it really is a tale of two games. It, it, it really it has. But if we're gonna talk about overall, 
screw it. A plus. <laughs> I get How the, else do you explain I what a comeback? Half, I would give the second half an A plus 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 plus. Without oh, question. To, to be fair, I'd probably give them a, a mid range B. A mid range B because it just it took them a while to, to to go, but it's they never gave up. Uh, even though they're having the hardest problems at all, especially with Stanbeck getting nothing, really nothing at all on the game itself. So, um, but yeah, it's yeah, I, I'll give it a B. But now this is gonna be this is gonna be an interesting grade here. What would you give the defense? <laughs> Again, <laughs> if it was anything we're, worse we're, than an F, I would give it. I could actually give them an incomplete for the for the first half. But I mean, it's you know, the first half was a solid F. I mean, if F, if F minus was a thing, you'd give him that. Like, yeah. That's just how bad it was. Mm-hmm. But once again, second half is completely different story. So overall, they they got the job done. But I mean, I, I I guess you have to average out the grades. Like the first half was an F, second half was an A. So that gives you what a C. Yeah, I would give it a C also. So let, let's let's go with that. Let's yeah, let's it was a C. I would also give it a C. Now, what we talked about before that interception, which we thought, both of us, I'm sure, thought that the game was was over. It was done. We're thinking, oh, God, there's only six minutes left on the clock. We were, we had our chance. Yeah. Um, after the inter- after the interception, Vernon was, 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 was visibly ticked off. Um, first, giving that little, little jump that he did. If you haven't seen the, the, the highlight there, Cliff, you got to watch. It's pretty funny. Um, he gives a little jump after he throws the interception. But then he goes after somebody you wouldn't expect him to go after. It was Adam Big Hill. Uh, um, considering the, the size of that of that guy, um, and the, the size of Vernon too, and exactly, Vernon's not a small. Man. That's not to say Vernon's a small man, but I mean, like you know, he's average height, average weight. Uh, and, how about the Rock versus Kevin Hart? Is that a good analogy? Uh, not quite, <laughs> but I, I see where you're going with this. Also, yeah. But it was basically it was, you could, if you're talking about David and Goliath, I, I'd say you can make a pretty good uh, comparison to that. Okay, all right. Um, but then after that, he brings down Big Hill. Basically, by his his face mask and rips off his uh, rips off his helmet. Yeah, this is where it gets where we get blinded, so to speak. And now I'm not saying we're being blinded because they're an alouette. We're saying we literally we were blinded. If you watch the broadcast, yes, you see him rip it off. But then they, then a, one of the defensive linemen steps in between, basically sheet shield or shades both of the the two players, and you see Vernon with the helmet whip around, and the helmet mm-hmm. goes to his uh, to his right um supposedly from that that vernon did make contact with adam big hill uh, caught him on his chin um, i had reached out to uh, uh to some of my cfl sources and i uh, was able to find out that there actually was a uh, a view of what occurred there was another camera view that we did not get to see on tv and it was clear it was clear that he did catch him we, we don't know to what extent but it, it, he did catch him uh, on the chin, um, he gets a 15 uh, yard unsportsmanlike penalty. Um, he was not ejected, even though, according to Darren Hackwood, he should have, um, based on the rules. But as he mentioned in the Winnipeg press, that they did not, and they and the referees did not have a clear view in order to make that ruling. And that's, by the way, Cliff, that's what I applaud the CFL for doing. Even though they're saying it's Bush League, that why did it take so long and we should get fined, da 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 they, did some, they didn't do something because they did not have the angle. Not, not saying what Vernon did was wrong, but they corrected it later. And I think that, first and foremost, Cliff, I think that was the right thing for the CFL to do, is not make a judgment call based off of what might have happened. My, what might have uh, that's the wrong way of putting it but on uh, something that they couldn't see right they, they didn't get to see the entire 
side, like the, that whole side of the story, which is it's very hard, especially to at that moment as well. Like if you don't have a, cl- a clear view of everything, then hey, how do you eject a guy knowing not know without knowing what what all transpired? Like that makes it a, a very difficult thing to do. So I think at the time they may have thought they made the right call, and of course, sober second thought, you take a look back at afterwards, like yeah, he definitely should have been ejected for that. Uh, and this was the thing I was having a hard time with is like, why is everybody calling for Vernon's head? Like I, from that angle anyways, yeah, you see he ripped the big Hill's helmet off of his head, which obviously is a big no, no, but I didn't see him throw the helmet at him or try to, you know, you know, swing it at him or anything like that. Like it just looked like Vernon was just throwing his helmet out, out of the way of just out of anger yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. So I was sitting there like, he did, did he actually even hit him? Like, do we actually have proof of that? Like, of course, big Hill's probably, you know, going to say that and he doesn't strike me as the type to be you know telling tales or anything like no, that and, but we, and we came see, to but we did hear that there was actually a a view so right so uh, now saying this okay fine and also too like in his uh, first press conference uh, after you know after the first day of practice uh, this week vernon did come out and admit that yes he did contact make, he did make contact with big hill and his helmet uh so again he admitted and apparently he did also mention it to the guys on the sidelines as well like his uh his uh, teammates on the sidelines said, yes, he did hit him and it was out of anger and frustration. He's got to be better than that, which is true. Right. But, uh, which leads to uh, what, what CFL did is they suspended Vernon for one game. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where it, I think it shows the kind of character that Vernon Adams has. And this is a guy that can be in the CFL for years with this type of, uh, of attitude. Um, you know, he admitted it, um, you know, he, he, you know, that, that's the main thing. He admitted it. But, and then it, it goes a step further. So first, before that, we were trying to determine what was going to happen. Because as we've seen uh, in the CFL, because, you know, there is the right to uh, appeal. And considering the stupidity of, in my opinion, of how long it takes for the appeal process to work in the, in the CFL, mm-hmm. um, I, I, and every, I was saying, you know, and we put it on a, a Twitter poll over at the Alouette's Flight Deck uh, podcast, uh, Twitter account, um, you know, I felt that he was, they were going to appeal, but personally, I didn't think they should. What did you think first before we found out what, what the actual uh, decision was? What did you think, Cliff? Well, as I said, we, we, because we didn't have a complete and clear angle of what had happened, and we really didn't know too much until well after the fact, uh, I thought, okay, well, Sure, you can appeal. He's definitely well within his rights to appeal this call. But and let's not forget too, like the CFL does tend to drag out these appeals, or at least there's no seems there seems to be no clear and concise method for them to handle the appeals process. Let's not forget uh, last year during the East final, Jonathan Rose of the Ottawa Red Blacks shoved an official, uh, and he appealed, so he got to play in the Grey Cup game. And he didn't get they didn't nothing was done about his uh, trans, transgression until this season started. Like he ended up serving a one game suspension for that, or was it one game or two games? Either way, it was a farce. <laughs> right, but again, this was well after the fact, and Vernon could have gone down that route as well. But I think there was that concern, like okay, well maybe even if they do appeal, it, what if this is one of those things where they finally decide to make an example and fast track it, and then Vernon has to sit out, God forbid, the game in two weeks against Calgary, yeah, or another divisional game where like those, those games are very important as well. Not to say that this game on Saturday against BC Lions isn't important, but no, but I think they're probably basing it off the history and stuff like that of, you know, the Alouettes out West. So, but 
the good thing is is that Vernon did not. He took responsibility. And I hope I hope players across the CFL will look at what he's done and do and finally make a change. Only if it's something that is not, you know, is not that uh, clear that they that they appeal. But mm. uh, this shows how professional, in my opinion, uh, and uh, you know how professional that that Vernon is for for just doing this. And I, and you know what? I think it also helped too, Cliff, that considering that when the league announced it. And the Alouettes did not start practicing until a day later. That helped too, and I think along with what I think what the decision was going to be. Yeah, and it gave also Vernon a chance to weigh his options properly. And I think I'm pretty sure the team didn't try to influence anything with that. I think he kind of realized, okay, I made a mistake. I've got to own this, and I'll take my medicine. I mean, he could have gone through like everybody else, and he's he's well within his rights to do so. But I think he knows how important this is for the team. Mm-hmm. Like to be a part of this team and to be there for their for the team. Like he wants to be a leader of this team. He's even said so in that uh, the post practice presser. Is that I got to be better for me. I got to be better for my teammates, and I want to be the leader here. I want to be the guy that leads this city back to the playoffs, back to the Great Cup. I I have to be better, and I'm going to be better. So he he came out. He owned it, and that's all anyone should ask for. Is like just you make a mistake. It happens. It was clearly a heat of the moment thing. He actually also admitted to that he got in touch with Adam Big Hill and basically apologized for what went down. As far as I'm concerned, he did everything right. Vernon did everything that he had to do to prove that, okay, it was clearly a heat of the moment kind of thing. It was a dumb thing to do, but he's going to take his medicine. He admitted his wrongdoing. Now we can move past it. He's going to serve his one-game suspension. He'll come back. He'll be that leader that this team needs. And whatever happens in Vancouver is going to happen uh, as far as him not playing in the game. But now going forward, this team can this team has to realize just what how special of a person they have in front of him that he's able to admit his shortcomings and he knows he's got to be better. And I think not only he, but the Alouettes and even the league will be better for this experience. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and I, I don't you know, I don't want you people saying that we're just taught we're being this way because we're, we're Alouette homers. You know, I, I, I said in my tweet that, you know, if he did it, he deserves it. Um, even though we didn't, weren't able to see the, the, the full uh, transgression, where we weren't able to see it. You know, I, I will understand it, but I think, it, I think the CFL and the CFLPA and, and, and their process needs to be looked at because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous mm-hmm. how long it takes. You know, you, if you push an official and you got the Grey Cup the next game, you should have been, he should have been, you know, you should be suspended. Yeah, appeal or not, I mean, that... That's it right there. Uh, I remember too, Deron Carter bumping into uh, Rick Campbell, the Red Blacks as well. How long that appeal process took? Like he was all too was also suspended for one game eventually. But again, like th- these are some examples of it. like this got dragged out, and maybe it would have dragged out too. But who knows? Like, but again, I just have a feeling that the CFL, based on those incidents with Carter and with Rose, probably like okay, well, we can't afford to have this nonsense again. If Adams is going to appeal the suspension, then uh, we're going to have to take a look at this quickly, and then we'll make our judgment. And well, this same thing happened again earlier this year too. Mm-hmm. Was it week one on on, on a dirty hit to, yeah, to Caleros? So. Yep. So and again, it, it took th- two weeks, three weeks, whatever it was. Yeah. So uh, let's not forget though, Vernon Adams is this is his first, the first time he's ever done anything exactly. like this. Exactly. I know. Whereas Simone Lawrence, who you're talking about, mm-hmm. he's a repeat offender. Uh huh. And again, even this week, another uh, headshot from him uh, the week before, and all he got was a max fine. Yeah. Like these guys aren't like a, a guy like him. He's not getting the message. 
Well, it's like kind of, well, it finally took the league how how long to to finally do what they need to do for Kaye Bear? Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, love the guy, I love the guy, but I mean, like yeah. it's it's like that are just not going to be a part of this league. And but again, that's kind of who he had become, mm. the kind of player he is. And well, now he's not in the league anymore. But to put Vernon in the same category as these other guys is completely unfair. And again, we've known Vernon since he came into this league in 2016. So if you want to call us biased, fine. But we also know what kind of character he is. We also know what kind of man he is yeah. on and off the field. Yeah. So like, we know that this is not like that incident with Vernon is not who he is. Yeah. That does not make him who he is. And it's not going to de- define his career no matter what happens the rest of the season. Like that is not the kind of person Vernon Adams is. What was the term and that the was fa- used by somebody on, on, on Twitter? We were talking about it before. What was the term? They are who we thought they are. No, 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 no. What was the term that somebody used for, for they, they were calling Vern something? What did they call him? Oh, some jackass called him a street thug. I, I was like, what? Uh, of anybody that we know, Vernon is not a street thug. And like, I think why? I, I think he's... I think how how he how he 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 how he was able to uh, to show how professional he was shows just that you know. How he dealt with this situation. He's not, exactly. He's not a thug. What a what a what a joke. Um, no. Why? Why? Because he's all tatted up and nonsense like that. So what? Like, like, there's there's nothing. Literally nothing that you can point to and and say that is thug behavior. Like, did did he have a, 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 a you know a, a miss uh, a bad judgment call? Sure, we'll we'll say that. But to call him, consider him like a street thug, like. I don't know how this guy could say that with like clearly this idiot who tweeted it or posted it or whatever the hell he did on on social media making a comment like that is just beyond stupid. Like I, I'm not going to give this clown any attention other than say that uh, clown. I don't know. How, I don't know how he can make that kind of judgment call when his head is so far up his own ass to make a to make such a, a stupid statement about Vernon Adams like oh, that. Like, that's a good way to end this segment. Hey, speaking of, uh, <laughs> we have uh, William Stanback with us uh, for the show. So uh, let's uh, let's let's get to talking to him. On the line with us now is a gentleman who is our starting running back, and he's also the man who currently graces my brand new Alouettes jersey, William Stanbeck. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, first, we have to obviously we want to get into your career and stuff like that, William. But we, we first we had to ask, man, what was it like being on the sideline and being a part of that game that the Alouette that you guys pulled off this past weekend? The law, the, you know, the biggest comeback in Alouette's history. What was it like? Uh, it was just a, it's a crazy feeling. It's it was ex- explainable. Just the feeling that we had, just in a in the locker room, knowing that we still have time to fight and come back and win, and being in the huddle, and just seeing the guys' eyes and their faces, just knowing that they had the faith and the attitude to to come out and continue to fight and pull out the win. You know, it was. It's exciting to be a part of this group, and you know I can ask for a better team to be a part of right now. In, in your college history, did you ever have any t- a game like this before that you that you lived uh, that you lived through, or was this a first time for you? Yeah, no, not quite. Just tight. I never really experienced a game that that crazy. You know, going down to the the wire, like literally two, three, four seconds on the clock. You know. It, I've never been a part of any group like that yet. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let, let's talk about your career, and then we'll talk a little bit more. Um, uh, first of all, uh, um, we see obviously you're you're born in Hempstead, New York. Uh, we know you went to. Uh, we have you listed here as being at Virginia Union, but I know you did play elsewhere also uh, in, in the NCAA's. Yeah. Um, uh, William, what got you into playing football? 
Um, well, just watching it on television, my father, he was the one who introduced me to the sport. Um, I was nine years old when I first tried out uh, the, a team called the Union Dell Knights, back where I'm from. And I've just been playing ever since then. I just fell in love with it. You know, I just felt like it was something that was for me and it fit me. Um, did you have any particular favorite uh, players when you were growing up, first watching it? Um, anybody that really stood out to you? Uh, well, growing up, I used to watch uh, a lot of Adrian Peterson. I watched a, a lot of his highlights and, you know, uh, Barry Sanders and all those kind of guys, you know, Walter Payton. But, you know, Adrian Peterson was one of my favorite running backs, like my top favorite running back growing up. Okay. Um, did you ever play any other position when you were a kid besides running back? Uh, yeah, I played a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, safety, linebacker. And uh, my senior year in high school, I played quarterback. Interesting. What is it, Cliff, about us speaking with some of these Owls players that have a little bit of quarterback in their uh, in their repertoire? So, uh, should we be happy to? Are we going to be seeing you uh, throw a, throw a touchdown pass this year? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I Gino. Ball. <laughs> I, I mean, Gino Lewis has already done the the, the Philly special, so to speak, with Vernon Adams. What's to say you can't yeah. do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's Gino. You know, he got that one. I, I don't want to risk anything. I'll just stick to running the ball and catching and blocking. <laughs> so yeah. when did you switch to uh, to running back full-time, William? Uh, well, I've always been a running back. Okay. Just my senior year in high school, they needed help at the position. They felt I was one of the athletes on the team who can probably get it done knowing the offense and being there at the, my high school for all four years. So I was really close with the coaches. I knew – all of the plays and everything, just the system. So they felt my senior year I'd probably be the best fit to play quarterback. So I just went on and played quarterback with like the coach needed me to do. Okay. All right. Cliff. All right. All right. Let's talk about your, your collegiate career. You started actually your uh, NCAA career with the University of Central Florida Knights. Uh, yeah. I know things didn't end on the best of circumstances, but tell us a little bit about that experience itself. Oh, well, you know, uh, Obviously, I was in some trouble, which jeopardized my future. And um, it's something that I've learned from, I've grown from it. I've understand what my past has done to me before. Uh, I never want to go back down that road. So, you know, I, I don't want to put myself in that position ever again. Um, it, it taught me a lot. You know, it's a lot of stepping stones in my life that I've overcome and you know, it made me who I am today. And I'm just thankful that I actually did go through that because, you know, it made me much stronger, smarter, and wiser as a man that I am now. So, you know, I actually am thankful that that actually happened to me. Uh, what about the actual playing experience? Because as we know, the UCF until recently was part of a huge, uh, had a huge uh, winning streak at uh, at the at NCAA level. But uh, I, I know you I think you just missed out on that. So, but uh, talk to us about the actual yeah. UCF experience. Yeah. So, well, my first two years, um, we we won back to back conference, and then in my last year, right before um, I left to transfer to Virginia Union, we we lost pretty much like all games mm-hmm. and everything. And then after, when I was at already at Virginia Union, they went undefeated, and then I felt like they only lost about maybe one or two games in the past three years. So, and, you know, kudos to them and, you know, congratulations for the championships they've been bringing back to the school and the university. And I'm thankful for them giving me an opportunity out of high school. So. Now, I'm 
I, I can't help but draw a couple of parallels to that instance of you being there versus what you're with in Montreal right now. Because you came in last year and things weren't that great. But now things have really turned around for the Alouettes and you're riding that wave of momentum. Do you see a lot of similarities between the two? Uh, well, I wouldn't say too many uh, similarities. But, um, you know, here in Montreal, it, it's been a lot of changes. You know, coaches, players. And I guess it was just a lot of things that had to be moved around to get things back on track to how it was, you know, nine, ten years ago here in the city. And, you know, being a part of this, you know, this organization, it, it is great, you know, because you've seen a lot of the lows last year, and now you're seeing a lot of the highs. And I've got to experience both, and I'm experiencing the highs right now. And all it takes is just a lot of hard work and dedication and, you know, belief that, you have the team and the coaches and the staff to, to get it done. And every day we practice hard, and I swear, you know, we finish and we look at each other like, you know, we could really do something this year. We have something special here in Montreal. And we just want to continue to stay focused on the task at hand and just be prepared for every, um, you know, opponent every week. Now, you joined the Alouettes in May of 2018, um, yeah. but you really only got a lot of your, your significant playing time in August, a month later, when the Owls traded uh, former uh, starting running back Tyrell Sutton. Um, what was your reaction? Because obviously we know football is a team sport. It, players get very close. Uh, you know, a lot of friends, and they were, and they remember. You know, they're the players that they played with for years. But what was your thought, being a rookie on the Owls, being told that uh, Sutton had been traded to BC, and that you were now going to be the number one back? Oh, well, you know, I, me and Sutton really got close, and we were really cool throughout the season. And he was teaching me a lot of things that you know I didn't know before coming to a professional league. And I appreciate him for teaching me everything that I know from him. You know, I, it was just something that I thought was going to happen, to be honest. I thought we were going to play together. I thought it was going to be one-two punch in the backfield. But, you know, things happened. Um, there was a business decision. You know, I I felt at the moment when I seen the news that I wasn't quite ready just to take that number one spot, but I had no choice but to be ready. Mm-hmm. So I had to just, you know, put on my big boy pants and just, come to work and just, you know, be comfortable, make myself comfortable, force myself to understand that, you know, now you have to be the guy. You right. have to get the job done. Now you're the workhorse. So I just made sure that I understood what was going on. I texted him. I spoke to him about the whole situation that same hour. And, you know, I just um, made sure I just got myself prepared for the next day of work and, still doing the same thing I am now that I did that day happen. Okay. And and now do, do you find that obviously you're, you're being the number one back or you're, you're backed up by a, uh, by a host of others, including Jeremiah Johnson. Do, do you, fi- do you, who do you reach out to now? Uh, if you have any, any questions when it comes to uh, what you, what to do on the field or whatnot, I mean, do you reach out to Jeremiah or do you, do you reach out to any other players? Well, I pretty much reach out to Jeremiah because, you know, me and him are on the same team now. So he's like the guy that's the, my veteran, and I look up to him this year mm-hmm. and him helping me out, helping each other out, being a duo that we can be. I pretty much reach out to him. Okay. Yeah, so it's pretty much Jeremiah. Okay. Um, obviously, this year you, ha- you had a monster game where you had over 200 yards. It was, it was a, uh, a first time uh, in Alouette's history since uh, the, the legendary Mike Pringle. 
Had you heard of Mike Pringle before before coming to the CFO and to the Alouettes, or or and if not, uh, after uh, you know hitting that milestone, that 200-yard milestone, and hearing that you were the first running back to do it for the Alouettes since then, um, what, what was your what did you know about Mike Pringle? And what was your thoughts? I didn't know much about him, but I knew of him. You know, joining the the club here. You know, being in Montreal, knowing about the history, learning about the history mm-hmm. throughout the time I've been here. I I learned about him the first week I was here. So you know, that was the guy. that was a lot of people were talking about. He was a legend here and a superstar when he played. So you know, all my respect goes to him. Cliff. Okay. Uh, well, now, William, we've seen everything that you've done so far. You've had even a little bit of a setback as far as uh, injuries go. Uh, just tell us, I mean, like, just how do you how do you recover mentally and physically from the injuries that you did to be able to get back to the kind of form that we've come to expect from you this year? Um, well, I just try to just make sure I take care of my body. And knowing that, you know, I, I have to be available at all times and – you know, that's something I take pride in, just making sure I get massages, making sure that I get stressed by our trainers, you know, I'm rolling out my body, you know, relaxing and sleeping and eating right. So I, I know I had a couple things that happened to me where I missed two games, but, um, you know, I just try to maintain and just stay strong, stay in the weight room and just stay healthy. Okay. All right. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. Uh Obviously, uh, we've got a big game coming up uh, against the BC Lions out in Vancouver. Uh, obviously, now we know that Vernon Adams will not be playing in the game. Uh, Matthew Schultz will be the uh, starting quarterback. Uh, talk to us about what you've seen so far from Schultz as far as uh, taking those uh, QB1 reps and uh, how you think you're going to work with him. Oh, he's confident. He knows it. He's been here longer than I have, to be honest. And, um, you know, he's ready to take the job and do what he has to do to fill the spot for VA right now. Um, we're behind him 100%. You know, we might have a little bit of mistakes or whatever, but we're going to still get the job done. We're confident in the guy that we have at QB1, and we're practicing real hard, making sure that we make it easy for ourselves and make it easy for him. And, you know, we're not going to take any light lightly. We're coming in there strong. We, we have a, a demeanor where we're trying to get somewhere this year. We know what's at stake if we can win this game. We know what that what happens. So that's what the goal is, to go there, fight to the end, and make sure we come out on top with the W. All right. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I was going to say that uh, there are playoff implications at stake right now. So that's that's pretty exciting. Yes, exactly. So, you know, that's, that's what's on our mind right now. Um, trying to clinch and we're gonna do everything we can to try to get that, you know, that, that clinch spot. So let us know. Everybody has been seeing about Coach Kahari and his post-game speeches. Uh, obviously, you are there for every single one, win or, lo- or, or lose. What is what is it like in the room when Coach Kahari is, uh, is is giving those speeches? Because even as a fan myself, William, just watch even just watching them on video, I, I I get pumped up just watching them myself. I can only imagine what it's like for you and the other players. It's it's, it's so hard to explain. You know, it's just. He gets us riled up. He gets us pumped up. And he doesn't even say much all the time. We just know the feeling that we have and the respect that we have for our coach. You know, it's just, you just have to be in our locker room to understand it. It's a culture that we're building here. You know, it's a bond that everyone in this locker room has that I truthfully probably didn't feel in a long time of my years playing football. And I swear, everyone can hang out with anyone in our locker room. 
you know, from one corner to the other corner. Even if we just have someone come in, they can already feel that it's a family, it's a brotherhood. And I think that's what helped us out in a lot of games because we always believed in one another, knowing that, hey, my brother's going to be there, you know, to help me out or to bail me out. Even if we fall short just a little bit, Mm -hmm. we're still going to be there to get the job done. And, you know, it's his speeches, it just is off the wall. I just, it's hard to explain, you know. It's just a feeling to get goosebumps. And you just want to go out there and win. Yeah. You know, you just want to win. That's all you want to do, just make him proud. Because, you know, he gives us the opportunity and the chances to go out there and do it. We just have to execute every chance we get. And, you know, I love playing for Kahari, you know. It's exciting being a part of this team, and I can't say it anymore. It's just, yeah. I just love it. Um. Well, we, as I said, we know you're from Hempstead, and before you came to Montreal, had had you ever been to Montreal before, William? No, I never have. No. Um, so, being that you've only been here for a good, well, well summarily, what is less than two years? Um, what what have you what do you what have you seen, and what are your favorite parts of the city? Oh uh, well, being downtown is where I live at. I love it. Um, I like to go to a lot of the um, arcade places. I like to um, go to the the escape rooms and um go karting you know I like to do a lot of stuff I really I watch movies a lot with my girlfriend here mm-hmm. sometimes we might check out different restaurants you know just to take a, get a bite out to eat but you know it's it's really right now like these weeks and these months and everything where you know I've really been focused and trying to grind and really make a good run you know what I mean. Because, like I say all the time, we have something special here. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really been, like, doing much, you know what I mean? But I, I, I love the city. You know, I love the food here. The people are great. Everyone treats you, you know, with respect when you're walking in the streets. Uh, pretty, real different from where I'm from in New York. You know, a lot of people are disrespectful and, you know, rude. And I don't really get that here. So, and I get a lot of respect from the fans because I see a lot of people too. And they all, you know, recognize me. They might ask for a picture or autograph and I'll just stop and give it to them, have a small conversation. So I really do feel the love here in the city. That's that's good. How do you deal with the, uh, have you ever come across a fan where you've had to deal with the language barrier? Or are you uh, are you uh, getting used to the, uh, to the French language here in Montreal? Uh, I'm getting used to it. Uh, I'm not very good at speaking in sentences just yet but i know a lot of words and terms all right that's all it's uh, that's all it takes really yeah. it's just uh bonjour messi and that goes a long way believe it or not it, it really does especially when people realize oh okay this guy's obviously not from here and he's making the effort people love you for it yeah yeah I, yeah i completely agree yeah. now you're talking you were talking about food, and we, we always ask that when we finish up our, our conversation with our players, there are a couple of questions that we always ask them. Um, first, you're talking about food before. Are there any particular places that you would call your number one spot to go to, or is, is there anything else, that, that any type of food that you want to, that you seek out here in Montreal? Um, it's on the West Island. It's called Scaroli's. Okay. It's an Italian restaurant. It's really good. You know, it's kind of expensive a little bit, but it's just worth it. It fills you up. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's that's cool. And there is one question, and uh, Cliff, I know you you're gonna ask you're gonna ask this one. Oh. We always ask this of everybody, William, and we're gonna ask you now. Uh, as you probably know, well know now, poutine is one of our staple dishes in Montreal and in Quebec throughout. Essentially, are you a big fan? Yes or no? And or sorry, have you had it? And if so, are you a fan? Yes or no? 
No, I, I never had it. Okay. I, I would say if you were to reach out to somebody, William, who who who, who has tried it, uh, Gino. I know Gino, knows, uh, he's actually hung out at a few spots where uh, he's been able to try it. So uh, reach out to Gino. I'm sure he'll bring you to a couple of places. If If not... Cliff and I will be more than happy to suggest a few places for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. And anytime you want to go grab one, we're, we're down with that too. Like yeah, we'll, why not, we'll, why not? We will steer you the right way. Yep. Well, William, we, we really greatly appreciate your time, uh, appreciate your time, man. Uh, especially, uh, you know, you're having downtime now and getting, you know, uh, getting ready for, for practice tomorrow. I think it's probably, it's a walk uh, Thursday, walk through tomorrow. Um, but, uh, we, we love having you here. As I said, I got your, your name and number on my back. So I'm supporting you and the team, uh, through and through. And, uh, we with you, wish you nothing but the best this week and, uh, for the rest of the season. Thank you. I mean, I appreciate this. Seriously, I really do. Once again, uh, thanks for William to, uh, for joining us on the pod. Uh, greatly appreciated. Um, you know, whether he had a bad week this week or not, Cliff, I think the guy has a, a great future in Montreal. And, you know, as I said, look at the last, look at those other, you know, those other running backs we've had with this team. They've lasted quite a few years with, this, with, with the Alouettes, and they've always made a name for themselves. And I think he's, he's, he's on his way. Without question. Uh, I mean, just the fact that other people in the league have taken notice of what he has done, not just earlier this season, but just the fact that he's still, for the most part, going as strong as what he has been. And also, too, let's not forget, he's also integrated himself into this community. Like, he spent last season in Montreal, the offseason, to be, just to be a part of this thing because he, he believes so strongly. He, like, he loves this city. He wants to put on for this city. And what more could you ask for as far as someone who wants to be a part of this? And he realizes what a special thing is going on in Montreal. And I tell you what, uh, as much as we loved our guys in the past, uh, I mean, the fact that he is now the guy when it comes to running back for the Montreal Alouettes – it, it, it's it's so exciting just to see how far he's come and know that he's got so much football left in him. Uh, I mean, Montreal is going to be more than set at the running back position for years to come. And it's a lot of it, if not all of it, is as a result of just how well William Stanback's been playing. So I'm I'm beyond thrilled to be able to get him on here. And uh, yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what's going to be happening with him in the future. Yeah. Uh, game this week, a few news and notes. We'll talk about those after we uh, quickly preview the game this week. Um, the Alouettes are, uh, three and 17 cliff over their last 20 trips to, <laughs> to BC, uh, with their last win, uh, four years ago. Um, the Alouettes we know do, do not do really well, even under the, in the Calvillo days, they go out West for whatever reason, BC, whether it be BC place, whether it be the trip over, something is their kryptonite and they just don't seem to, to do well. But seeing what this team has done, and we've you know we've seen good teams too go into them. I think this, even though um, even though Vernon is not starting, okay, and uh, I, I I think that you know even though Schiltz is going to be starting the game, I I still have confidence, and, and it is more than just because of what happened last week. I just this this team, and same thing. It's just like what what Stanback said. It's you know it's something special. Something special about this team. And I, I think that they, I think, I'm not sure what the outcome will be, but I think they will play better than they have out West in years past. Yeah. And let's not forget, like BC's actually got a bit of a winning streak going. Now, mind you, let's, let's temper that just a little bit because it was two straight wins versus the unfortunately hapless Ottawa Red Blacks. So let's not 
read too much into it, but we, we saw it a few weeks ago when the BC Lions came to Percival Molson Stadium. Like they played with a lot more purpose. Like they they are better than what their record says they are. I, I know the the old expression is you are what your record says it is, but by and large, this BC Lions team, especially with Mike Riley at the helm, yeah, they have the potential to do damage. Like they have the potential to play spoiler at this point. And I don't think things are quite as bad anymore there in, in BC. I think they realize that they've got something, and they still, believe it or not, have a very outside chance of making the playoffs. I mean, a lot of things have to fall into place, and they're pretty much going to have to win out to even come close to trying to make that crossover spot. But, I mean, BC is not going to go down without a fight. And you're right. Every time Montreal goes out to BC, like, I, I, again, for any number of reasons, it just doesn't equal a win. But this year... This year, things feel different. Things are a lot different. And yeah, I, I it, it's hard to be super confident about this game, especially with Vernon Adams serving his one-game suspension. And that's not to say anything bad about Matthew Schultz. We we know what he can do as well. We yeah. know the potential that's there with him at, at quarterback. And I have a lot of confidence in him. I, I think he'll definitely keep keep things steady. Uh, I... I I'm, I'm really actually excited to see what he can do, no matter what. Because I think, compared to when he last started a game for the Montreal Alouettes, I think it's a much different ver- uh, Matthew Schiltz. And I think the team's going to respond a lot better to him under center. And I can't help but be just curious and a little fascinated as to what's possibly going to happen on Saturday night. Because Montreal has a lot going for them right now. Uh, this game actually has playoff implications, yes. if you can believe that. Just yes, the fact is. that we're talking about the Alouettes in the playoffs picture <laughs> I know. is phenomenal. It's so exciting to talk about. Uh, again, it's not a done deal. Like Montreal has to win, and a couple other things have to fall into place for them to actually clinch just their spot in I the have playoffs. The breakdown. I have the breakdown from the CFL and from DJ. Um, oh, cool. It is um, so with a Montreal win or tie combined with a Toronto and Ottawa loss, Montreal will secure a playoff berth. Right, because I believe that uh, Montreal would have 16 points, and at that point, the best Ottawa or Toronto could do would be 14 points. And again, a lot of things would have to go very much in their favor for that to happen. So, I mean, even with Vernon Adams on the sidelines, I mean, I don't think this team is going to skip a beat. Uh, I definitely believe in friend of the show, Matt Schiltz, and his ability to... I I, I don't want to keep the seat warm. That's not a fair thing for him to say, but I think he's going to show that he belongs in the conversation. I think he's going to prove that he's not just like a, a seat filler or a clipboard holder or anything like that. I think he wants to win for this team. I think he, and he's going to have the support of everybody and that's going to be crucial. It's not going to be, I, I don't think you're going to see confusion or anything like that in this game. I think you're going to actually see him step up and play a very solid game. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does. I'm re- excited to see how the team's going to respond to him. And, even going into, I don't want to say a hostile environment, but an environment where this team just doesn't know victories all that often, I'm really excited to see what potentially can happen. And if Montreal walks out of there with a W and just further cements their status as one of the most exciting teams in the Canadian Football League to watch, I mean, you just can't ask for much more than that, folks. No, I know. Uh, the Alouettes, I'm very surprised, actually, this. Uh, maybe just shows on what, where the two teams are at this time of the year. BC is only favored by six and a half points currently, as as we tape on Wednesday by five times, uh, and the over under is a total of forty nine points. Um, I, I'm I'm happy to see the line the way that it is. I'm actually surprised at the line. Uh, as I said just based off the history that the Alouettes have out west, but maybe it it shows maybe they're giving them a uh, you know they're giving them a a little bit more respect. 
but also they're also taking into account uh, how BC's season is currently going. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing with the, the history of this of this particular series, this particular matchup. It's understandable if you want to favor BC, and especially you throw into the mix of the fact that uh, Montreal's starting quarterback is suddenly not going to be playing in this game. Yeah. That's going to move the needle quite a bit. And uh, yeah, I, I, again, I, I thought just, it already would have been moved. Honestly, I thought it already would have been moved, considering that the the thing with Vernon we knew about yesterday. But you know, um, betting is betting is betting, dude. So, <laughs> well, and I, I can't help but wonder, like, if uh, maybe they, the, the people out in Vegas knew something we didn't, as far as the potential of a suspension, but. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the, God only knows. What, and again, I try not to pay too much attention to things like that. But uh, no matter what, though, I, 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 I'm, I'm like you. I'm feeling confident. I, I definitely have a lot of faith in what Matthew Schultz can do as quarterback. I have faith in what this team can do as a whole, no matter where they play. I mean, they've gone into a hospital environment earlier this year out in Calgary, and they got their first victory there in a decade. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg, they haven't beaten in a long time, and they did that as well. I mean, like, right now you almost think like just you, you set an impossible task in front of the Montreal LOS, and they find a way to make it possible. So that's that's why I can't. Like I said, I'm not overconfident by any stretch, but I can't help but still feel good, all things considered. Like when you consider how BC's played this year and how they're playing now, how Montreal responds to adversity, like more often than not. I mean, I, I again, I I just can't help but feel good about this game, all things considered, and. Quite frankly, I just I just want to see it. I want, I want to see this game get underway because I, I really want to see what Matt Shields does. And I really do like how Montreal is approaching things. Yep. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the end result is going to be. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and finish up the show here, Cliff, because I know it's it's late where you guys are. And I obviously appreciate you you guys hanging in there um, considering what the, what you know, with the five hour time difference. Uh, but there, <laughs> there were a couple of things. Uh, what were the transactions that the Alouettes did uh, since the game uh, on, uh, on Saturday? Well, they did uh, add a few uh, more people to the practice roster. As you know, like this is the time of year where the practice roster expands to 15. And now there's uh, a few more additions that are being made. Uh, among the notables is uh, I think it's fifth round draft pick this year, uh, Michael Sinelli. Uh, he was originally, you couldn't go back to university. Like well, all the almost all the other draft picks, with the addition of exception, I should say, of uh, Kion Julian Grant, all the other draft picks from this uh, this draft class went back to school, except for Sinelli, because I believe he was a fifth year player at Concordia, so he couldn't go back to school. So he ended up being released earlier this season, but now he's been re-added to the roster, which is great news. So I, I definitely think he's the kind of player that Montreal needs to have. And as far as depth goes, you're not going to find much better than him. Uh, the one move that uh, really excited me uh, of the ones that were made uh, was the addition of Jamil Smith, uh, former Ottawa Red Black, and also most notable, kick returner. Yes. Uh, as you know, Shakir Ryan is still on the six-game uh, injury list. Uh, I know Quan Bray and Shaq Murray Lawrence have been handling the kick and punt return duties to various degrees of success. Uh, but Jamil Smith is one of those outstanding playmakers and I tell you what, folks. If you saw him with the Red Blacks, like even even during the, that that rough year in 2014 when they first came back to the league, he was still making highlight real plays. And if he can do that again for much this time from now for the Montreal Alouettes, oh boy, I can't help but be excited. Uh, aside from that, uh, other moves that were made. Uh, another quarterback was added to the practice roster in uh, Leighton Rab from uh, Midwestern State. Uh, I don't know what this means necessarily for Hugo Richard because he also still is on the practice roster. 
Uh, he also is a quarterback, so I don't know if this is just sort of a, a temporary move or or what have you. But uh, for those that are saying that uh, Montreal maybe isn't looking to develop quarterbacks anymore because they see how well Vernon Adams has been playing, as far as I'm concerned, you can't have too many good quarterbacks on your roster if if at all possible. So I guess the Elwes figure, okay, we've got a roster spot to fill. Doesn't hurt to have an extra quarterback, so uh, let's add this young man on. Uh, a couple of the other names that were noted, uh, Mario Alford, uh, who played for the Argos for a little bit, uh, I believe it was last, not last year, the year before. Uh, let's see, Ryan Santoso and uh, Mikhailin Thomas have also been added. Uh, again, the, the Alouettes now making moves, and uh, I don't, I still don't think they're done. I think there's a couple other names that they've got an eye on. I've spoken with a couple of folks uh, on the inside, and uh, they've got their eye on a couple other folks that they'd like to bring in. And if they, if the names that I'm hearing get brought added, added onto the practice roster, man, be excited, folks. Be very excited. I, I won't confirm anything just yet until I, I, I know for sure it's going to happen, but uh, the names that I'm hearing will get you very excited. I can promise you that. I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to whisper them in my ear later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, real quickly for the, for the last news, we did find out, by the way, that the Alouettes are going to be having a uh, – they announced that they're going to be having a new third jersey contest – uh, for the 75th anniversary of the team in 2021, if you head over to Alouette's flight, uh, oh, sorry, MontrealAlouette.com, uh, you'll see all the information there. Um, and maybe you could actually be the uh, uh, the designer of the new 2021 uh, third jersey. Uh, there are different rules and stuff that you have to follow. But uh, head over to us, head over to MontrealAlouette.com, and you'll be able to see all the information there. Um, yeah, it's a pretty sweet price too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty sweet price. You get the you get the uniform itself, a thousand dollar gift card valid at the Alouette store, and two 2020 season tickets. Can't? Yeah, yeah I can't. I can't. Yeah. Um, well, folks, get, get just get your get your 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 crayons, your Crayolas, but yes, get designing, folks. Uh, get bust out the Photoshop, whatever it is you got to do. Do a lot better than me. Um, and, <laughs> me too. I, I can't draw flies. <laughs> yeah, and, and finally, we have to at least mention this because it, it just—it's something that happened in the CFL. He is a former CFLer. You have to at least mention it if, if you haven't heard already uh, about what happened to former Alouette, former CFLer Jonathan Hefney. Anybody who remembers him, he was the—he um, was the player who the last time that we saw him, he was down uh, with a major neck injury after going in for a tackle. I think it was on was it on special teams or was it on a play? I'm trying to remember what the play was back uh, back it in was, 20, it was, it was special teams yeah, yeah, special against teams Ottawa. Play. Um, you know, he was able to uh, he was able to walk. He had he was having some issues when it came to uh, when it came to paying for some of the things in the U.S. because of a, a very strange thing that the CFL and the CFLPA only do uh, only supporting a player for one year. That was in the old CBA where they've. Uh, made some modifications from that. But we find out today, Cliff, and, and we don't know what the reasons why, but we found out today that he has been um, convicted of was basically drug trafficking, and he's been sent to nine years in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, and this is just speculation on my part. Obviously, this is a sad thing to hear uh, for anybody, um, especially for a, C- a former CFL player, but it kind of makes me wonder if, if the financial burden that he had and that was po- uh, that was thrust upon him because of the strange rules when it comes to the CFL and the CFLPA not supporting their players that uh, that get hurt um, at that point for more than a year uh, may have led to this type of thing. I said this is just pure speculation, but it, it's just sad to see 
the possibility of, of what occurred for this gentleman. Without question. I mean, like he was a, definitely a, a great player with us uh, when he was here and just so unbelievably tragic just what had happened with him. He pretty much had to resort to doing GoFundMes to help pay for his uh, help pay for his surgery. Like the, well, the Alouettes were able to cover most of it, but the it was more the rehabilitation. And I think he had to have subsequent surgeries afterwards, which unfortunately weren't covered because it wasn't part of that, as you said, one year grace period or whatever you want to call it after the injury had happened it's hard to believe, so yeah, hard, hard to believe we're saying that grace period yeah well you know what i mean like it like the uh, the the team's only obligated to help pay him like one year up to one year after the injury occurred after that you're pretty much on your own which is it, it's not easy especially to like at that point you got to pay for the surgery down the states and uh, it's not cheap at all so to have to do gofundmes just to be able to pay for subsequent surgeries rehabilitation uh Anything to do medical down the states is uh, beyond expensive, and I, I just I have a hard time believing that he would have had to resort to trying to sell drugs in order to help basically feed his family, so to speak. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's yeah, it's it's tough to hear. It really is. Um, I, I I hate to leave on such a you know, such a down note, but uh, um, again, it, it's, and my transition here is horrible, actually. So I apologize. Don't forget we are on social media. Uh, there are places where you can find us. The best place is over at Twitter. That's at Alouette's FL Deck. And you can find us over on Facebook at, uh, at uh, just do a search for, uh, for Alouette's Flight Deck. Also, if you want to hear the entire archive of the Alouette's Flight Deck pod, uh, best place to do is to head over to www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca or you can head over to Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Um, Cliff, um, have fun, dude. Again, I know it's a five-hour difference. I really applaud you for sticking this out. I know you had some plans. I know you just flew in to uh, to Scotland uh, this afternoon, but I, I really appreciate your time. And also, thanks, obviously, to your significant other for uh, for putting up with us, even though you are so many, many miles away. <laughs> well, listen, you, you know I love doing this show. You know I love being able to provide the, not just Alouette's fans, but CFL fans with our insight and uh, being able to provide them with uh, a show like this it's something it's a privilege that i i don't take lightly and i wasn't going to let something like vacation stop me from doing something like this i mean like i said that this is something that i i truly truly enjoy doing and uh again as long as people are listening to the show we're going to keep putting out these shows win lose or draw and like i said right now i'm just you know, I was going to focus having a good time here in Scotland and uh, even the game on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to be able to watch that game. I've done that before. I've done that and, for football uh, before. So I know it's 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 a passion. It's a passion. But, that, but that's just it. Like this is something that's I mean, especially too, like it, with what this team has done in 2019, how do you not get behind this? And that's that's that to me, that's the thing is I'm not I'm not doing this because. You know, this is, this isn't a lousy team that I'm trying to support, and I'd be the, with this team no matter what. But the fact that this team is doing something really special, and I want to be a part of it, yeah. and they know that we want to be a part of this as well. That's why they go out there and they bust their ass every day in practice. That's why they come out on game day, and they shine the way they do for us, for the fans, the supporters, for everyone that pays attention to the Montreal Alouettes. That's what they want to do. They they are serious about changing the culture and getting that championship mindset and it all starts on game day and Montreal has a great opportunity to, if not outright clinch a playoff spot, 
at least make that headway to at least get to the point where the playoff making the playoffs for the first time in five years will just be a formality. Yeah, exactly. And Tim, if that, if, if that doesn't get you out of your seat and excited and make you want to get up at four o'clock in the morning, even though you're overseas to watch a football game, I don't know what else will, exactly. quite frankly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so guess what, folks? I'm, I am beyond excited to be able to watch the Alouettes play. I, I want to say technically Saturday night, but I guess for me it's going to be Sunday morning, but it is Saturday night at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Exactly, so, uh, exactly. So the uh, only thing I can say right now, Cliff, the first is, shush, go have your flight of, uh, of, of, of uh, whiskey. Whiskey. Uh, go have your flight of whiskey. Go have fun. We'll speak to you fans next week here on the, on the, on the pod. So uh, enjoy the game this Saturday and hope for the best. So for everybody here at the Flight Tech for the Overseas, Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Ron Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.